much horror business driving late at night. Psycho 78, 12 o'clock, don't be late, I said all this horror business. Greetings and salutations, my name is Justin Lore. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. It's spooky that you said it that way because it's October. <sighs> it is October. I okay. I think I don't know about you, but I, I feel like we have mixed feelings on spooky season in the sense of this. We both hang on watch... a second. How many? This is episode one hundred and forty-one. Yes. Go on. Go on. Oh, right. Did we not say that already? This is episode 141. We're going to be discussing two Frankenstein-related movies. But before that, I just want to say, look, I think we both love Halloween. Yes. But as people who engage in horror all the time, we have mixed feelings on spooky season because there's a bunch of people who, uh, you know, they they treat this less like a lifestyle, more like a costume, thinking of Return of the Living and, Dead. You know what I mean? I was going to say, and what do we know? It's it's not a costume. It's, it's a not lifestyle. a fucking costume. It's, it's, a, a, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I get it. I love making October or even September, or I guess for some people, just Halloween, you fucking weirdos. Uh, I, under, I get the idea of having a special time to do special things. I'm not saying we shouldn't have holidays that we should just make, you know, as much as I like the, as much as I like the song every day is Halloween, we can't actually have every day be actual Halloween. That's psychotic. However, I do kind of feel like, um, the extent to which a bunch of people who don't care about horror just go, Oh, Hey, it's October. I'm going to watch a bunch of horror movies now. And then they pick movies that have nothing. Like if, when you're picking your horror movies, right? You can do whatever you want. You don't got to listen to me. But it does seem weird how many times people pick like summer horror. Like, why are you watching a camp horror movie? You know, don't get me wrong. Some camping movies in are fall like, right? Like those exist. But, but you know, The Burning, that's a summer movie, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Jaws is a summer movie. Like I saw someone posting that they were watching Jaws October 2nd. Weird. Why, why are you doing that? That's a summer Straight movie. up weird. It just seems to me like. I don't want to judge people. I don't want to. We, 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 despite having very strong opinions, we really try not to be gatekeepery on this podcast because I just feel like that turns people off. But when I'm over here banging the drum for Halloween and there's some other jerk off doing it who, for them, it's just like a silly thing you do for a while where they're like, I'm going to watch some Scream movies and, uh, and that, what's, a, what's the witch movie everybody loves? With Bette Miller. I forget what that's called. Oh, Hocus Pocus? Yeah. I'm going to watch Hocus Pocus and the Scream movies and have a pumpkin latte and that's it. And it's like, all right. Fuck those people. It, just to the extent that, like, I'm now associated with that because I'm also excited. But it's like, no, I'm, like, really fucking excited. <laughs> well, know? no. Like, 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 like the meme that I made the other day. There's no such thing as the spooky life. There's no such thing as, as as spooky season. There's the spooky life and there's being a fucking poser. <laughs> I mean, look, I, 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 you know, we, I feel in a precarious position here because I don't want to tell people that they're posers. But on the other hand, <laughs> I got you. Anyway, hey, we're talking about two movies here. What are we talking about? We're talking about 1957's The Curse of Frankenstein. I'm sorry, Frankenstein. 
Thank you. So let's let's get it correct. And then 2023's Birth Rebirth. I thought it was Frankenstein. Is it Frankenstein? Is we'll it with Frankenstein or Bernstein? That's what I don't. It's is it is it is it is it Hitler or Heitler? <laughs> is it Adolf or Adolf? I love that you went there. Of all the places you could go, you've been listening to too much behind the bastards. Probably true. <laughs> There's no such thing as too much. I love that podcast. Uh, yeah, so these are two Frankenstein movies. Well, Birth Rebirth is not strictly a Frankenstein movie, but if you want to call it a Frankenstein movie, it is in that it's very much a scientist brings someone back to life. Uh oh, movie. You know, which is basically. Well, that, we'll also you know? we'll we'll also get there in that this is very much a Frankenstein movie. Right. Yes. Um. Uh-oh. I mean, that's my new thing I'm going to say for Frankenstein. Please don't do that. <laughs> that's such a stupid fucking catchphrase. <laughs> that's oh, up there. That's up there with back to life. Uh oh. That's up there with 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 uh with uh Fred Willard's from uh, A Mighty Wind. What happened? <laughs> Which is the best shitty catchphrase of all time. What happened? What happened? God. So it's a great movie. I R.I.P. Fred Willard. He jerked off in a fucking theater. Which who amongst us hasn't? I mean, look, you want to be in the in the company of Fred Willard and Pee Wee Herman? Come on, right? Yeah, you can't go wrong. Yeah, two titans amongst little people. I guess we're the little people. Hey, hey, I watched Freaks last night. It's okay. I can say it. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, uh, thanks to all the people listening, but especially those of you who support us on Patreon. Uh, Justin always says money isn't real and all that stuff, which is true. It's, yeah, yeah, we're on the same page basically. But I just want to say. That without your support, I don't think we could financially keep going. We got a bunch of shows here. None of them make any money, but we all love to do it. And the people who support us on Patreon make it so this doesn't cost us money to do, right? It's you guys cover our costs. You give us a little bit of extra money to do stuff, like pay for advertising if we want to. And I, we just appreciate your support. We're hoping yeah, we're hoping to grow the support to where we can give people a little bit of money for their work. And that's what that's what we're aiming for. So tell a friend uh, we love you. We're going to have more stuff coming out. Uh, we also want to thank. Well, we really just want to thank Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, almost separate from Chris Reject. But that's hard to do because he's part of their DNA, Justin. And, and I know and, it's unfortunate. It's like. <sighs> It just sucks that we have to include him when we say thank you to LVAC. I mean, look, LVAC keeps Chris Reject off the streets, which seems to me like a public service. In fact, can we write a grant for them where they get money because they keep Chris Reject off the streets? I mean, we could, but why would we want to keep him off the streets? Uh, public safety issue, my man. I'm not, I don't want that weirdo wandering around with nothing yeah, to do. Him unmedicated with an, an aimless is like... Nightmare. Oh. Yeah, it's like fucking an American war off in London, except that it's an American dipshit in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Imagine the mayhem and the velvet paintings involved. It would be... Oh, God. Him and his fucking stupid paintings. Fuck have, you, Chris. He'd have oogles over all the time, I'm sure. He knows Just lots of oogles. Fucking basement trolls. Yeah. Guys with razors in their lips or some shit, you know? You I don't know, guy. but I, I believe it. Regardless, uh, despite Chris and his weird velvet painting thing, you should get all your shit printed at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Here's the deal. They've got the best prices, and they're easy to work with. There's really nothing else you need to say. Uh, They do great work, 
And in the midst of doing it, you feel like you're working with real humans, not AI, not a fucking corporate monster that just wants to eat you up and spit out the bones. So, well, Chris is a corporate monster who wants to. Well, you know, no, he would like to be, but he's just a weird dude who he lives can't. in Bethlehem. Yeah, you know what I mean? Can't. That's funny. <laughs> uh, XLVACX.com for all your screen printing needs. Uh, of course, Essex Coffee Roasters. Uh, you've heard us say it before. Aaron Dahlbeck does great work. Uh, high quality beans roasted to order as well as fine teas and t-shirts what all the essex coffee roasters justin let's say i go to essex coffee roasters i mm-hmm. order some coffee i order some fucking chai i get one of those t-shirts that says drink more coffee or some shit mm-hmm. on it. then what do i do I, do i just check out no in the promo code you type in F-U-C-K-J-A-K-E-B-A-N-N-O-N. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. That's what you... Oh, my gosh. I am going to message Aaron as soon as we're done recording this podcast in all capital letters, which anyone who talks to me online knows I'm wont to do anyway. Let's make a Let's make a spooky tea. I'm going to... I'm doing it. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. I'm doing it. Uh, speaking of spooky teas, roughcutfanclub.com. Uh, we make t-shirts. Oh, that was good. Not all of them. That are, was really good. Not all of them are spooky. <laughs> Some of them are just weird, but we do t-shirts. Check it out. And of course, uh, what up to our man Sharky, who edits all our stuff, makes it sound good, and makes us seem just a little bit less like idiots, but not entirely. Mm-hmm. You got to leave some of that idiotic authenticity. You got man. to. Big um, ups to the Dr. Sharktopus for doing that. Uh, he's the man, and we love him very much. Mechanicalsharkmedia.com. Um, he's been skating more. He, my, he's always doing something interesting. He's more than anyone else I know. I'll just be like, you know, he doesn't post a lot on social media, but every time he does, I'm like, oh, that's something. You know, oh, Sharky's traveling here. He's doing this. He's yeah. He's rolling on a mat. He's rolling on a skateboard. He's at an event somewhere. He's with his beautiful partner. Like, just an just an amazing man. So, anyways, Mechanical Shark Media. There's something you want to ask me, Justin? I do. I do want to ask you. Now, um, I was going to do a joke about your daughter, but I can't bring Maven to this. Uh, I mean, God, yes. Yes. So, uh, okay. So, okay. I want to fuck my cousin. Wait, no, fuck. Damn it. Um, Jesus, fuck. Okay. I've I've committed murder. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have a man's brain in a jar. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to defy God and bring Christopher Lee back to life. Mm-hmm. And also, he's a criminal, mm-hmm. a highwayman. And before I do so, as I'm holding the brain in the jar, that you, you and I got no struggle, of course. You and I, my, the brain hit the wall, and I fucking freaked out because I'm a maniac. And I look at you, and I before before I um, before I myself am have my head cut off, uh, I ask you, Liam, what have you done involving Har recently? I love in this scenario, you are the incestual, murderous, cheating, misanthropic, you know, misanthropic Frankenstein. And I'm his um, noble, uh, virtuous, but obviously stupid for sticking around so much friend. The friend who makes And a fucking backstabber in the end. Well, yeah, but, you know, come on. Also, I'm overly foppish for like a for like a nobleman. Well, it is, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you had a weird upbringing, so. I did. Of which I was a large part, which in the context of the movie, I mean, 
they fucked at least once, right? Like that's sort of the, the vibe I'm getting from the movie. Is that? Like, oh yeah, there's there's a powerful homoeroticism there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, hey, uh, so unlike usual, I have something that I don't often have, which is I went to a horror event. Huh? Oh shit! Oh shit! Is right. Uh, I um, thanks to friend of the show, uh, diabolic. Uh, I don't think they call themselves Diabolic DVD anymore. I think it's just Diabolic. But, you know, your friends who sell movies on the internet, they had a table at Cinema Wasteland in uh, Strongsville, Ohio, and they could not use it because they could not be both there. I mean, they're basically, they were trying to be two places at once, uh, at the John Waters Fest, at the Mahoning Drive-In, and okay. at Cinema Wasteland. And so the two people were going to go to two different places and then one of them could no longer go. So in order to not, you know, lose his spot, our man Jesse was like, hey, you rough cut folks want to take my table to Cinema Wasteland? And I was like, fuck, yes, we do. Uh, Y'all, when I say going to Cinema Wasteland is like a big fucking deal. Let me tell you, it is. I'm not joking around. Some of you may have been to Monster Mania. Um, getting a table at Monster Mania isn't necessarily easy but it's not that hard cinema wasteland has like a waiting list that you like get on and then like maybe three years later they let you have a table maybe right holy if, shit if you ever miss a year like let's say you finally get a table you will have that table in that same location every year until you miss a year and then he will give the table to somebody else it's like a thing and here's the thing about cinema wasteland justin it's not physically as big as Monster Mania, right? Not even close. And they don't necessarily have bigger stars than Monster Mania. But the people who go to Cinema Wasteland are there to buy shit. That's why people go, is to buy things. And so, like, Diabolic has always told us they make way more money at Cinema Wasteland than they do at Monster Mania. And I'll tell you what, we made way more money at Cinema Wasteland than we ever have at Monster Mania. That's fucking dope. I think Monster Mania is really more like, A, it tends to draw horror fans who have a more uh, down-the-line taste. And B, it draws more people who are like, I'm here to get to pay for an autograph. I'm not here to buy shit, you know? Yeah, Which my, mom goes to, my mom goes to Monster Mania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that doesn't mean people don't buy stuff, but it's not yeah. like what Cinema Wasteland, yes, people go to get like Felicia Rose to sign something or Tom Savini or whatever, but there's not that many guests. What this has is more, uh, well, it doesn't have more vendors than Monster Mania because it's a smaller space, but it doesn't have a crazy amount of vendors it has regular vendors and they also show movies on video and film there so one room had a 16 millimeter projector going the whole weekend ranging from rare horror stuff to more well-known horror stuff to like shorts there was even like in the morning one morning uh an hour of like three stooges like original three stooges prints and shit like that like it's very much like an event for people who appreciate film you know uh now granted i don't know how much longer it can go on i think a lot of the people involved in it are older but it was awesome we had a great time met some cool people met this awesome uh punk couple it's so funny dude like visually i'm like oh man these folks are really nice but they're like super punk they probably like work at a coffee shop or something and it was it was this punk couple and their friend and they just looked like folks who maybe like 
just hopped off the train and got that that's a little too dirty but you know what i mean like very very much like i'm so punk i i would never have a real job and bro all three of these people work in the industry in the film industry and two of them specifically work on stranger things that's fucking dope it's so funny to me uh the the one person works in special effects uh the other two are different kinds of electricians who work on set and it's just like They've only ever really, I mean, they've had other jobs when they were much younger, but, you know, since they started their actual careers, they only work in movies, even though they don't do what people think of as movie stuff. Well, I guess special effects is like movie stuff, but you know what I mean? Like, they don't have, they're not like actors or cinematographers or whatever, so maybe people don't think about what they're doing, but they like, that's what they do, and I very much was like, I love that they have these, like, very kind of serious film jobs so that they can like make money. And then when the thing that they're doing isn't filming anymore, they just like fuck off and do, you know, punk stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like just like, that. Yeah. you know, be who they are. So they're very nice. And a lot of people were excited about what we were selling. It was a good time. You know, I met a couple people there just felt like it was cool. Uh, at one point I dissed Tom Savini to his face. So that's always fuck a good yeah. feeling. That dude sucks so bad. Dude, I was don't even I, get me fucking started. I had a bunch of donuts, and I'm friends with one of the guys who works for Paul Bear Press. So I went to bring him a donut, and fucking Tom Savini sat at his table. He goes, "Hey, did you bring enough for the whole class?" And I look him dead in the eye, dude. I'm like maybe 20 feet away. I look him dead in the eye. I go, "I don't fucking know you." <laughs> and I give a donut to my friend, and Tom Savini laughed it off like it was real funny. But I was like. I'm not joking, but I, you know, I Dude. just let it fly. Because it's, it's like, yo, man, you think I'm not here for you, Tom Savini, you fucking weirdo. I have heard so many horror stories about that dude. And I've experienced, like, having, he is literally the one celebrity I've met that I was just like, what's your fucking problem, man? Like, there are people here who, like, idolize you and you're being a fucking dick to them. Like, it's really like the worst, I think, for people in pittsburgh because you see him a lot and people try to like connect with him because they live in the place and he's from what i hear very rude and just not nice even to like little kids who i say little kids like teens who are fans he's just like not cool it's i don't know whatever yeah. anyways I, I shouldn't focus on the negative it was a good time i really appreciate the people there uh it was fun seeing some of the cosplay it, again not as much as you would see at like a monster mania but the stuff i saw was fun uh, I will say because I was at this thing that whole weekend and just slinging shirts, I missed out on some of the announcements over the weekend, like the Toxic Avengers reboot, mm -hmm. uh, written and directed by Macon Blair, who I fucking love. Like, yo, I'm kind of stoked on that, man. Like, I didn't think I'd be stoked on anything Toxic Avenger related. I'm, I'm curious about it. Uh, here's the thing. I would only be curious if A, it wasn't Macon Blair, and B, if it was still a trauma production, but it is not a trauma production. Sorry for all our trauma lovers out there, but I don't think they've done anything good in quite a while. So finding out that they sold it to people who actually make good movies, I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe maybe it could be cool. I'm pretty stoked on that. We'll, we'll see. Uh, as far as other horror, I started, you know, I, I, I've been watching horror movies for funsies, you know, in September a little bit, but I started my sort of daily routine uh over the you know this week i did some uh legend of hell house did uh house of usher both of which classic uh older movies we covered legend of hell house i don't think we've ever covered house of usher but i've i've seen house of usher before uh which i wasn't sure if i had i knew i had seen some of the uh poe related uh vincent price movies you know 
But yeah. I wasn't sure if I'd seen that one. And then I rewatched uh, Paranorman because it's just a classic and it makes me happy. I appreciate that. It does. It's just like it, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's just it's just a fun movie. You know, I I like to start the month off a little light and then get more serious as we go on, you know, like set, set the bar a little low for myself. You know what I mean? Uh, other than that, though, the only other thing I'll say is I. um I've been reading one of uh, Jonathan Darnell's books. Uh, Darnell, Darnell, Darnell. I don't know how to say it. The, the Mountain Goats guy writes books. They, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's uh, Universal Harvester, I think it's called. Uh, you know, I didn't know if it was a hard book or not. I think a lot of his books are horror adjacent, you know, whether that's um, the first book is what? The Wolf in the White Van. And the new book is something something might be similar to Hell House, but it's it's not that. It's something like that. But uh, they all are kind of more horror adjacent. This one, it's spooky, but I don't yet understand what exactly is going on. So I don't even know if I would call it horror. I mean, I have a sense of foreboding, let's say. Yeah. But you could have foreboding in more of a traditional thriller than a horror movie. But I, I also don't care about that separation in a very sort of intense way. So I don't care. Maybe it's a horror book. Maybe it's not. But... I, that's sort of my other sort of spooky thing I've been doing, but that's about it. I haven't had a chance to check out. I don't think any newer horror movies. No, not since we last recorded. So I'll wrap up there. Justin, what, what about you? I know you've been watching a lot of stuff. What's up? Oh my God. Uh, so I have been watching a lot of stuff. Uh, watch a little movie on Tubi for free. Uh, the Hopewell haunting. Um, Oh, you recommended this to me. Yeah. Yes, I cannot recommend this movie enough. It is like it's very low budget, but like it does something that I fucking love and I wish more movies would do in that it draws much of its horror from the anticipation of something terrible happening. Like there's a lot of like slow zooms on like an open doorway and then switching to a slow zoom on the character's face and then back to the doorway. And there's like a ton of shit like that. Um, Like it's it does a really good job of like staying super fucking intense. Watch a little movie that apparently is now quite divisive according to Facebook horror. Cause all those fucking crybabies just do is fight over it. Uh, no one will save you on Hulu. Oh, you know what? I did watch that specifically so I could talk about it on here with you. And I totally forgot. What did you think of no one will save you? Um, I thought the first 20 minutes were ball retractingly terrifying. Um, I thought the rest of the movie was fine. You know, not particular, not great, but it, by no means was it as bad as people are accusing of being. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I kind of liked the ending. I thought it was kind of sweet. Like I kind of, I, I, you know, cause the whole, without spoiling anything, it's like, <laughs> I watched it with friend of the podcast, John Carlo DeMarkey and uh, Aaron Nagy. And we were like making jokes like as like the first the first act is basically home alone with aliens and when you watch the movie you realize like oh shit like the aliens weren't really acting threateningly towards her you know what i mean like granted they were in her house and they shouldn't have been but like no reason to fucking kill them like like that first alien was just like hanging out and like ch- looking at shit and ringing bells and you know whatever um and then like the ending i think was kind of it was kind of like a um 
I don't know, just something about it. Like it just really like it kind of pulled at my heart strings in a weird way. It's like it's like when I saw Travis Walton talk and he said that he didn't think that the aliens meant to hurt him because they could have just dropped him off back in the forest and left him to freeze to death. But instead, what did they do? They dropped him off next to a road where they knew who to be found because they had some concern for his well-being. That's kind of how I felt about this movie. Hmm. That's interesting. I think it's interesting that you've seen a lot of people complaining about the ending. I've seen just as many people say this movie sucks, but the ending's cool, which I was surprised at. Uh, not that I didn't like the ending, but I didn't think the movie sucked. Uh, but I definitely saw people who were not into it until the end and they thought the end was the best part. So it's interesting to know that there are people who feel the opposite. I feel like it's really well executed for the most part. I don't love. Um, so there, so, you know, this is a relatively new movie. So uh, there's, I got to say spoilers here to a certain extent, but I don't think I'm giving a huge thing away, but there are different sort of, let's say layers to the aliens, right? Yes. Because there are the sort of the main aliens. Let's call them greys. And as you know, I don't find greys very scary. So while I felt like the movie was very tense and kept up a lot of tension at the beginning, I also feel like she's, you know, hiding from things that aren't scary. And then at a certain point, the movie, I feel like, gave away that maybe they don't think they're scary either, because then they added in two kind of monstery aliens, one being a little guy, little, little spidery guy, and one being a giant spidery guy. Yeah, they added the dwarf and Bob from fucking Twin Peaks. Yeah, and I just felt like... As much as I am not afraid of greys, I don't know that I needed big, scary monster aliens either. You know what I mean? And it, 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 it didn't ruin the movie for me. But as you know, one of my biggest things with alien movies is how often the aliens show up and then they act like monsters or zombies or something. And I'm like, yo, my man like flew a ship here, but he can't like walk or something, you know? And so uh, I think they saw for that in that the aliens on the ship and the aliens who are like investigating her house... Clearly, while they are different than us, they seem to have some amount of intelligence and they've got telekinesis, which seems pretty cool. But the little guy, what's that? Was he a dog? Like, what is going on with the little no, guy? No, and you could tell they did that with the design of the, 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 the initial alien that was in the house. You could tell, by the way, like, like you just fucking, it's got the big wet eyes, mm -hmm. you know, and they're expressive. And it's like, you know, it, it's hard to be scared of something with with eyes like that i mean that's the whole running gag in paul the move that right. you know where it's like you know they're just they're they're too empathetic they're too childlike and i and think the, that the, the big spider one he's basically an air traffic controller who wants to eat her like dude, i don't really dude, understand i that I, I won't even i don't even want to think there is something about that alien fucking voguing in the dark that just <laughs> sent fucking shivers down i'm serious see i was so upset by that so i think oh my god i think this is the thing is that if i i don't understand how how people who are afraid of aliens wouldn't find the movie at least somewhat compelling because I think it's pretty well done. I think the main actress is very good. I get that it's a gimmick that she there's not really any dialogue, but for me it's a gimmick that that works. Uh, I will say the the big reveal of why everyone in town apparently hates her is strongly anticlimactic. For yeah, me. I, I I I as well was like, oh, that's that's. I mean, <laughs> let me be clear. It was awful. 
Like, <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, but it like, wasn't anything like it, it. Like, I get that this, and also I get that the actress who is we're focused on looks young, but she doesn't look young enough for people to be mad enough to like spit. In, you know what I mean? Like, how long ago? The age of the actress who's playing the younger version of her and her age, I think we're meant to think that's not a big gap. And I'm watching it going, what was that, like 15 years ago? Like, why is this lady spitting on you? Like, what the fuck yeah. is going on? Like, it doesn't, none of that worked for me per se. And it's part of the emotional core of the movie. So that's a bit of a problem. That being said, considering how not afraid of aliens I am, I still thought it was pretty effective like it didn't use a lot of shitty scares it used no scares that worked with the tension there was a lot of surprises in it i thought the ending was interesting and fun um i think some people felt like there were too many endings like there's a few different climaxes where you think maybe it's the end and then it's not that didn't bother me at all either the only thing i'll say is that uh even though i think there was a lot of creativity in it i think it, it did a lot of things i haven't seen before it didn't knock me away, knock me out either. But this is a horror movie that's just on fucking Hulu, right? So, like, you know, I hate to say it, but like, we should also compare it to its peers. And a lot of movies that just show up on Hulu are bad movies. Like, they're just, yeah. they're not great. And this was pretty good. Now, I will say, as much as it is pretty good for a Hulu movie, I still wish I had seen it in a theater. I think some of those scares would be more impressive in a theater than on my TV. You know what I mean? Um, like, yeah. I, I again, John's t John has like an eighty inch TV, so I was you know, okay. I was at a yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yeah. I, 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 I just, I don't know. Like, it, it was that weird, like, emotional whiplash. I guess you could call it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just kind of like fucking rocked me. And I, I mean, it, this movie. I don't think this movie's even gonna make like my top ten of the year, even for like horror movies, but. I don't know. I, I, I still like, you know, I see a lot of people being like, that ending was fucking stupid. And it's like, yeah, no, no, you're just I mean, fucking impatient and weird. Well, and also, let what ending is better? She dies, she gets taken away to, to, to the, well, again, I hope people took this spoiler warning seriously. But, you know, maybe it ends with a sense of humor. And, like, why is that? I just don't understand what is it that people want? They just want to see all the bodies flayed open and blood dripping everywhere. Like how is everything supposed to end? Whatever. Uh, real quick, because you reminded me, I did watch one other horror movie. Did you see that movie cobweb? Yes. What did you think of cobweb? I wasn't nuts about it. I'm going to be honest. I kind of liked it. I didn't love I, it, I, but I, I kind of liked it. I liked it literally until the very end with the reveal. And then I was like, Oh, it's crackly boned monster. Cool. I haven't seen that done fucking four million times. My frustration with the ending and the big reveal of our, I'll take the term, crackly bone monster, is that I was hoping the big reveal was not that he just had a gross sister, <laughs> which is what it boils down to, right? Yeah. I, I thought it was going to be that she was a witch and that his parents, though fucked up, were Hansel and Gretel, that this witch has been trapping children and finally two children conquered her. And now they live in the house to keep her trapped. How much of a better movie would that be? Like to me, like light years better. The re big reveal because she when she comes out, she's got that weird hair, and it's like she's like an old lady. And I was like, oh, that's not a sister; it's a witch. Oh, and I wrote this whole fucking movie in my head, dude. And then it's like, oh no, it is just a sister. She's just fucked up. That's so boring. I mean, don't be wrong. I think a lot of the build up to that though is actually pretty effective, and I loved seeing Homelander in something that wasn't 
yeah. the boys, you know, like I, <laughs> I think he's, he's really good at being both menacing and insecure. Yes. You know, like all that really worked for me, but, uh, but yeah, the end just didn't nail. It didn't stick the landing. It wasn't terrible, but it didn't stick the landing. And I was kind of like, eh. but I will say I was surprised not surprised because I don't hate them as much as other people do, but I thought this kid actor was actually pretty strong. Yeah, he a lot wasn't of, bad. A lot of kid actors I I don't love, uh, even though I don't, I'm not as turned off by them as other people. But I've seen a few where they're bad. I thought this guy was pretty strong, um, and I like the cast. But yeah, I just feel like if if we had had the same sort of reveal, but instead of it being just his gross sister <laughs> which is just weird right like it's i'm fucked. your sister and i'm gross okay yeah. what then what like the whole that all that's weird if instead it had been the movie that i just wrote in my head like in that five minutes before we found out it was his sister because when she starts laughing all menacingly from the hole i was like oh this is gonna be great and then it's not great guys <laughs> yeah Especially if she had done magic, too. That would have been cool. Like, I don't know. Uh, literally fucking anything besides what she actually did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sorry. I also, it's all good. Uh, the next four movies, um, like horror-related I watched, just head to Cinepunks and read my reviews. Cinepunks.com, uh, You're Not Me, Mushrooms, Visitors, and Bark. Uh, Bark, especially, is a movie that I think everyone needs to see because the ending is fucking delicious. Um, and then last night I watched two movies. I watched a little film called My Animal, um, which if you've spent more than 10 minutes talking about film with me, you know that it has one of my all time. Uh, let's call it welcome kryptonite in that I like the way it makes me feel, but it fucking destroys me. And what is that, Liam? Doomed queer romance. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. Shoot that shit into my fucking veins. Um. It's really fucking good. It's like really, 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 really good. Um, it's on Vudu, so it's not free, which would be if it was on Tubi. Um, it's on Vudu right now. I think it's like 5 or $6, but it's worth it. It's really, really fucking good. Um, and then uh, the movie wasn't great. <sighs> great plot, I'll say that. I'll say that the plot of this was actually really, really interesting, but in execution, it was... Yeah, uh, Craving. It, it's on Voodoo. Uh, stars Felicia Rose. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, what a fucking what a neat. It had a really cool premise about like, um, it was kind of like imagine like, uh, the thing meets like Assault in Precinct Thirteen meets, um. I don't know, like Dog Day Afternoon. That sounds cool. Yeah, it wasn't that cool. Yeah. It wasn't that. It was very badly executed. So the less I say, the better. But yeah, that's. Um, I'm trying to think if I've done if I've if I, I haven't really read anything or watched any TV shows aside from like Ahsoka. Um, sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I all, all I've really done involving Har recently. All right. So I guess we should take a break then and come on back. We're going to take a break and we're going to talk about the 1957 Hammer film. It's released on May 2nd, 19th. This film's older than my father. <laughs> older than my dad by like three months. Um, 1957 British horror film by Hammer Film Productions. 
Der Käse Frankenstein. It's Curse of Frankenstein. We'll be right back. Frankenstein. More than a hundred years ago, in a mountain village in Switzerland, lived a man whose strange experiments with the dead have since become a legend. A legend that is still told with horror the world over. We've only just started. Just opened the door. Look, now's the time to go through that door and find what lies beyond it. But don't you see, Paul? We've discovered the source of life itself, and we've used it to restore a creature that was dead. This is Frankenstein, who revolted against nature, who experimented with the devil and was forever cursed. His unwilling collaborator was Paul Kremp. I can't prove you murdered, but I can stop you using his brain. Why? He has no further use for it. Don't be a Be careful! Go damn it! Only two women ever entered this house of evil. Elizabeth, come back! Elizabeth, the lovely cousin who had promised to marry him, and Justine, the maid, who kept passionate and secret rendezvous with her master. Won't you understand you're in real danger? What Victor is doing is dangerous to everyone in the house. Now, you cannot possibly conceive what dreadful thing he's planning to do. What are you trying to tell me, Paul? That Victor's wicked? Insane? Wicked? Insane? Evil? Call Frankenstein what you will. A demon had made a man-made monster. And now, the monster was the master. Paul, what are you going to do? For your sake and to protect Elizabeth, I've so far kept silent. But now I shall go to the authorities and have them destroy that creature. And see that you pay for these atrocities. No! are back to talk about 1957's The Curse of Frankenstein. I don't fucking have to explain to you what Frankenstein is about. One would hope. I seriously hope. Because this is basically just like an adaption of Frankenstein. But this is not a hot take, even though I was going to say it like it was. Um, I think the thing that makes this better than the James Whalen production of Frankenstein is the creature design. And why? Because Christopher Lee in this movie actually looks like something that crawled out of hell. And I fucking love it. Because it's actually scary. Mm, yeah, there's, I can see that. I see what you're saying. There is nothing sympathetic about this version of the creature at all. It's not like Boris Karloff, like, friend. Like, n no, he's not your friend. He's a fucking spooky creature, and he's not cool. Yeah, I think that you'd say he's not cool. It's no, he's actually, way not cool. Yeah, it's actually like really compelling. Like he sucks, but he's like, a bad dude. He sucks, but not in a way that like I would be like, oh, he sucks and it's stupid. It's like no, like. Well, you know what it is too. It's not. We should be. We should uh, uh, sort of establish. 
it's also not the book, right? Like I think sometimes no. when when something deviates from that original Frankenstein, people then are like, "Oh, so is it going to be more like the book?" No, 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 no. It's not the book. It's not more like the book in any sort of way, because for those of you who don't know, the book, you know, that Frankenstein, he's, I mean, quite honestly, kind of a smart guy. You know what I mean? Uh, like, no, it's like I, I, the closest the closest depiction of the creature that I've seen in. Like in like a, you know, on film or television is the Penny Dreadful version, mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like uh, it, it's like the creature's very articulate. It's like very self-aware. Um, and I'm talking about in the book, you know, in the story, yeah. it's like, why am I? Why am I? And it's like, oh, well, sorry, dude. Like, I know we didn't give you can you didn't give your consent to exist, but you do. And it sucks. And I'm sorry. And you're fucking Victor Frankenstein is a monster. And um, he's a sympathetic creature in the book, I think. Yeah. No, that's that's correct. He is. I mean, maybe sympathetic is stretching it for some people, but he is sympathetic. The part of the horror is his experience and that Frankenstein did this thing. That's also true here in the sense that our uh, Frankenstein uh uh you know victor is the most sociopathic frankenstein i've ever seen right absolutely absolutely amoral completely driven you know he has a very like his desire is very like his yearning to do this is like very biblical in the sense that he seeks mm-hmm. he has the ego to be the creator mm-hmm. and he has like the whole thing of like he's seeking out knowledge for knowledge's sake which is like I just I kept hearing like God telling Eve not to eat the fucking apple in the back of my head watching this because it's right, like right. this dude is like shining a light into places that all to be kept dark. Well, and I think the movie is also like they want to make it really clear that he instrumentalizes, he objectifies people. I mean, he he's having his cousin who he you know to be fair he took care of his cousin and his aunt right when after his parents died he took care of them financially but like in exchange for having done that she's going to come be his wife right weird while so he's, weird while he's very much sleeping with his maid you know yeah there's really a sense in which the only person he has any respect for not enough respect to listen to him is this friend who is by the way, a complete creation for the movie, right? This like buddy of his who is like his teacher, but also his coworker who really lets Victor get very close to the resurrection of the dead before he goes, wait a minute, this seems wrong. <laughs> like, doesn't that seem weird how close they get to the monster before this guy goes, hey, wait a minute, you don't seem like you have your shit together. They have done the following things before he feels any sort of moral objection. They bring a dog back to life. <laughs> they cut a criminal's dead body down from gibbets. Um, he fucking the, the shit with the hands. The shit with the, he's buying body parts from a Morgan. He's like, look at these hands. These are cool. And the guy's like, this is abhorrent. But he stills yeah. fucking on board. Like the dude recognizes how fucking off it is. He's like, Frankenstein, you've gone too far. But he's still like in. It's like, oh fuck you, man. It almost feels like in the movie, right? It's about the complicity of his friend, like this friend that they've made up for this movie 
his is the moral arc of the movie, right? Because Frankenstein just sucks the whole time. The monster, we we don't get that much of the monster, though I agree with you. The fact that the monster actually looks like a fucked up corpse is so much better to me than, I mean, don't wrong. There's something iconic about the original Frankenstein, and I would say even more so the Bride of Frankenstein. Like I, That's an amazing image. I love that they did it. But it doesn't look like a corpse, right? Like that's not what dead people look like. Uh, uh, whatever the, is it? It's you said it's uh, Christopher Lee's the monster in this, right? Yes, he looks like a corpse. He looks like, hey, we uh, sewed a bunch of dead parts together, and then when he came alive, he was just a uh, mindless monster who wanted to hurt everything. That works for me. It works in the context of the movie. I, I get that Hammer Horror feels stuffy to people. And there is a certain stuffiness to this movie. But I also don't understand how people don't notice that Hammer managed in the midst of its stuffiness in a movie in the 50s to still have like, I mean, Frankenstein is lascivious towards his maid and then has her murdered. There's body parts everywhere. And it's a movie about a man who like questions, you know, uh, uh, creation and God. And I guess there's comeuppance for him. But guess what? We don't get another movie of the hero of this fucking movie, but we do get a lot more movies with uh, uh, our man as Frankenstein. Like, this is not the the only movie of him. They they bring this Frankenstein back again and again after, you know, dooming him at the end of each movie. Yeah, Soon there, like, there will be a new one. Aren't there like two more movies with Peter Cushing as this character in this continuity? I don't even think it's just two. I think it might be more than that. That's insane. I mean, I love it, but yes, it's very crazy. Uh, you know, I I hope we will get to the rest of them because I've heard that some of them are, you know, even better than this one, uh, which I think is interesting. Now, so getting back to what I was saying, this is a, so there is a little bit of stuffiness here. I don't want to pretend like um, there's not because I think because I actually really enjoyed this that I might give off the vibe of like, uh, you know, everyone should just get on board because it's so great. And it's like, well, okay, I liked it, but I understand why people might not like it. But I do think there's a bit more of an edge to this. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I'm not really a 50s horror guy. I feel like the 50s is not often my decade for spooky movies. I don't know, Justin, this this worked, but maybe I had the bar too low. Maybe my expectations were low, but this worked for me, I think, the whole time. I think I was really drawn in, really entertained. I'm not scared of it, I guess, but like I thought it was really well done. And I fucking love Peter Cushing. Like, I just think he's so he's great, weird and creepy the whole time. No, I mean, I mean, Peter Cushing for me will always scare me because Grand Moff Tarkin. But. this. I think this movie succeeds in a way that the the universal production doesn't in that I don't mean to repeat myself but I think my biggest problem with, with the universal production is that it focuses it makes the monster too sympathetic and it doesn't really focus on what the actual horror of the source material is which is the fucking arrogance of this high-minded fucking aristocratic piece of shit who thinks he can literally play God. That isn't really present in the original, you know, the one, the Boris Karloff, John. What I liked about this movie is that, like, somehow the monster was 
far creepier than the than the Universal productions, but was still kind of took a backseat to the fucking madness of Peter Cushing as mm-hmm. Victor Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And I think like I, I I think that's a lot harder than people realize. Um, I don't know. Like I I just I I think this is like it it's this is I'm not saying this is some like you know super uh there's all these like layers of this movie but i i will give this movie credit for showing that like people someone who thinks they can literally bring the dead back to life someone who thinks that is going to be a fucking sociopath and that is exactly what uh peter cushing brings to this not just peter cushing but the 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 kid who plays yeah you know what i mean like the second from the fucking second we actually meet victor frankenstein you're just like oh fuck this guy and you don't really get that in the in in the James Whalen movie um so i i think this movie kind of improves upon i don't want to say a flawed interpretation because like who the fuck am i to say that right. um but i do think it, it it's it's still it's still it still hews closer to the universal movie as source material than it does to the 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 Mary Shelley book. Sure. But I but I think there are certain themes from the Mary Shelley book that this improves upon, namely like the the arrogance of man and science and all that. Yeah. Um and maybe not this the 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 the, the emotional horror of the creature, but the physical horror because the whole thing is that, you know, when the creature first sees itself, yeah, we get it. The the, the horror is that it realizes it's hideous, but it's also so hideous that like it inspires like I, again i you boris karloff like i don't know if it's because i was i you know i'm only 40 and like i've lived my entire life in that shadow and you know monster squad made him like an okay guy i just i i see the boris karloff thing and i'm like how is that upsetting he's just a guy with a square head like he's fucking he's fine no i i understand i totally understand what you're saying and i think that um there's a real menace even though the Christopher Lee version of the monster is not, it's not like, again, he's not a psychopath in the sense of like, he's angry or he's evil or something like that, but he certainly um, is menacing and seems like he could do anything. And I think that's, that's powerful. And the makeup design just works. Again, he should look like a fucking corpse, man. And I think that works. Uh, Justin, let me walk you through this right now. You ready for this? Okay, I'm ready. 1957, Curse of Frankenstein. That's what we watched. That's the first film with uh, Peter Cushing as, uh, you know, Victor Frankenstein. Then 1958, you get The Revenge of Frankenstein. Direct sequel next year, Peter Cushing. Then after a few years from that, you get 1967's Frankenstein Created Woman. Uh, Again, Peter Cushing as Frankenstein. Uh, according to this person, one of the better ones in the series. I'm reading from a list on someone's blog. Then in 1969, you get Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, another Peter Cushing Frankenstein. Uh, and then the final in this continuity, 1973's Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. Now, Which sounds Japanese. There's yeah, just something Japanese sounding about it. I agree. I agree. That's 1973. Now there's a sixth movie that I that has Peter Cushing in it. Uh, that I didn't mention because it's 1963's The Evil of Frankenstein, which is like 
changes details from the Curse of Frankenstein. So it's kind of outside the continuity. You know what I mean? Like if the Curse of Frankenstein is the origin story, you can't change the origin story and be part of the continuity. Does that make sense? So like, even though it has Peter Cushing as Frankenstein again, it's kind of considered the outlier from the rest of the series. And there is a seventh Frankenstein movie in the series, but Peter Cushing is not in it. Yeah, uh, I was looking up Wikipedia, and apparently there's there's only one of the original Hammer films that isn't doesn't have Peter Cushing as as Baron Victor von Frank Baron Victor Frankenstein. It's Ralph Bates. Um, also in, apparently, yeah, agreed. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Uh, David Prowse played Frankenstein twice, which fucking rules. Um, and apparently in one movie, Peter Cushing played the creature. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm into that. I'd like yeah, to watch and, that. Yeah. And the revenge of, uh, the revenge of Frankenstein. I mean, here's the deal. I do think we will return to hammer horror again and again, just because there's so much there. And I think one thing me and Justin Evans common is we haven't watched a lot of these movies. We're like, we no, just I've, I, I've watched maybe four. Yeah, so this is a this will be a good place for us to come back to after we're done talking about you know whatever new found footage horror you've subjected me to that you found on Tubi, uh, probably about for free. aliens. Yeah, for free, by the way. Um, yeah, so I don't I I don't think there's a lot of deep like all the themes in this that are at play are kind of the same sorts of things that are playing Frankenstein uh and other frankenstein properties the difference here i think is that this frankenstein is not just made mad by science he's just an asshole too like if this frankenstein wasn't bringing the dead back to life he'd be doing something else that sucks you know what i mean like yeah. he's just a bad dude no matter what yeah uh which is a shame because they really focus on him being this like lonely orphan who dedicates himself to science because of the death of his parents, which I think is supposed to be sympathetic, but Peter Cushing so quickly reveals that he has no moral compass that there's no sympathy. After the first, like, ten minutes, you're like, oh, this guy sucks. You yeah, know? no, I'm like, they should absolutely fucking kill this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, I, I thought this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we watched it. And to be clear, this was very much a, uh, we're going to watch a newer movie and an older movie that fits with it, and I think this was a good combination. Yeah, oh, a, a fantastic combination. So I guess that's it for uh, Curse of Frankenstein? Check it out. It's a curse, and it's of Frankenstein. There's, there's a curse. it's on HBO Max? Yeah, that sounds right. I sure. think uh, I think a lot of those weird hammer horrors are actually, at least they were on HBO Max. I assume HBO Max has eliminated everything but House Hunters now, right? Like, they don't even have, like, Game of Thrones oh, dude, anymore. You know what they do have? What? Fire in the Sky. <sighs> which i watched the other night i'm sure you did <laughs> and jerked off in the whole scene no i just uh although i i actually one of my friends um she had never seen it before and she you don't know her she goes to another school too <laughs> she's your friend from quebec yeah 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 you don't know her you're about show um so she had texted me like is this movie any good and i was like yes watch it and give me commentary as you do so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then she emailed you nudes. Uh, for unfortunately, no. Yeah, I know it happens. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about 2023's American Psychological Horror. Business. This is a horror film. This is a, we're gonna talk 2023's Birth Slash Rebirth. 
We'll be right back. Your daughter's name? Lila Morales. Maybe she can help another kid out there. You can leave now. Do you remember a little girl who passed away last Friday? They say they don't have her. I'm trying to figure out what to tell the mother. I don't want any trouble. I just need to know what happened. It can't help you. bigger than your daughter. My daughter is not an experiment. That's Muriel. She died two months ago. She can't be left alone. Do you have a pullout? I have a futon. just one thing. What is the point? And we are back to talk about this year's Birth Rebirth, which played at... I think this played Chattanooga the Film Festival? Uh, no, at Fantasia. I'm sorry. Played at Fantasia. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah. Why didn't I see this at Fantasia? Uh, not important. Um, so before we go any further, uh, it should be noted that according to Wikipedia, writer and director Laura Moss devised a story based on their obsession with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein in the early 2000s. So this is like, I, I don't know if this is technically a passion project, but this has been something that's been brewing in the writer and director's head for a minute now. Um, so this is definitely like an interpretation. This is not just like a similar themed a film that has similar themes as Frankenstein, and I wouldn't, I, it, it, I'm not going to call it a remake, but it is definitely, um, it's an interpretation, I guess. I mean, that's fair. At least when it comes to scientific arrogance, because Marin Ireland in this is fantastic, and she's sure. arrogant as fuck in this movie. But I think there's also a theme. There's a theme of parenthood. Yes. That is absent from the original, from the original book. And I don't even think Mary Shelley was particularly interested in it as a topic. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a big part of. of oh, that. we should, we should, we should probably say, I intend to spoil this movie. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, fucking stop, go watch it. It's great. Um, I think at this point it's on shutter. Yeah, I think that's right. It has a bit um, of a, it's funny. Cause it has, I, I think we both like this movie. I don't know 
that everyone is on the same page with us. So uh, I, I think we would, before we get into it, would recommend it. I think you might have liked it more than I did, but I'd still uh, recommend I'll it. I'll say this movie had one of the most horrifying and horrifying endings I have ever seen. I'm totally in, agree, uh, in agreement with you on that one. My God. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so we're going to get into it. So spoiler alert. Yes. Um, I really like this movie. Uh, it was... What's it, about, what's it about, Justin? So it's about this... There's Dr. Rose Casper is a hospital pathologist who refers to the company of cadavers to social interaction. There's this woman, Dr. Rose Casper. She is like a, um, like a, <laughs> a hospital pathologist, and she is obsessed with bringing the dead back to life. She's like very intelligent, but she's very, very, very socially awkward. Has like no... Uh, I, I don't even know. Like she's one of those. It's one of those classic archetype characters where, like, you under you under you estimate <laughs> you understand everything but people, Oppenheimer. Like, she is working on a way to bring the dead back to life. She's brought a pig back to life. Um, she's working. She's tried to bring people back to life. Um, and it's revealed later that part of the serum that she makes to bring people back to life is, I believe fetal tissue or stem cells something like that yeah um and at the same time there's this like there's a this maternity nurse she's a single mom she has a daughter uh daughter dies it's very sad it's very upsetting um especially since like her last words to her daughter were like yelling at her so there's a lot there that's like pretty fucking heavy um and their paths collide when uh dr casper brings her daughter back to life. And there's a lot of themes going on here. I think there's a lot of themes that are present in like George Romero and like zombie movies in general. And that like, that's not your daughter anymore. Um, that's the person you love is gone. You know, there's, there's nothing there. They're just like a body. Um, but the thing that I found like really fascinating about this is that it's, it's like, Marin Island's character, Dr. Casper, she is very not interested whatsoever in having actual children. She has, like, no real maternalistic instincts. Um, she's a very cold and sterile person. But as the film progresses, what's, like, there was these, like, there's, there's a scenes where she's, like, interacting with, with the little girl, uh, Leela, and, um, it goes from like a strictly clinical, like I'm testing them. I'm seeing what their reactions are. I'm seeing what their cognition is to, you get this feeling that she's actually starting to develop like actual like paternal instincts towards this little girl. And the tragedy is, is that this little girl does not recognize her actual mother. Although later on, she kind of does though. Um, well, so <clears throat> she brings her back to life, but she has yes. not brought her back to full brain functioning. And that's sort of the tension of the movie is not just that they're trying to keep her daughter alive, but they're also trying to improve her condition so that she is more herself. Yes. And a variety of questionable decisions are made in order to make that happen. And I think one of the themes the movie explores and it's one that we've we've hit on a bunch, so I'm sorry if it's a bit repetitive, but it's similar to that um 
what's the movie something in the dark or something where the the there's like a sickness and the parents it's like two families and the parents kind of turn on each other it or, comes at night yeah it comes at night great uh, movie you know it comes at night is basically about this way that love could lead to deep acts of evil right yeah and in this movie you've got a disinterested party who is passionate about the goal but is not so passionate about the individual and an interested party who cares about the goal only in so much as they care about the individual who is undergoing the process right and what we slowly realize is that while our doctor our frankenstein is a monster her friend who she has made also is, a monster is maybe more of a monster because she's motivated by passion and, and I it's think, her own fucking child. She's doing this to right, right. But, but also what she's willing to do for she, this has become a symbol of her own failure of the conditions she's under. Um, side note, my, one of my bigger criticisms of the movie is that it very much, uh, forefronts, right. The fact that, uh, the situation that leads to the death of her daughter is not her fault and is the result of her, you know, economic situation that she's yes, in yes. this desperate. But like once the plot of the horror movie gets going, that's sort of not important anymore. And mm -hmm. I kind of wish they had worked that more into the rest of the movie. Honestly. Agreed. Agreed. That kind of bummed me out a teeny bit. Um one thing I noticed in reading other people's reviews, and I, I know where you're, how you're going to feel about this, but it, it is worth acknowledging. There are people who will get to the point where she goes to this woman's house who she thinks might have stolen her daughter's body, and she's assaulting this woman. She's basically ready to, to, to really go at this lady, but because her daughter is alive, she just like moves in with this person and starts to like help out, right? There were so many reviews that were like, Oh, well, this character makes a decision that is impossible for the sake of the plot. Oh, this is one of those movies where we're sacrificing character for the sake of the plot. And, like, I don't want to judge any people who wrote that. You know, I don't know your circumstances. I don't know your life. But do I think there's a good chance that those people aren't parents? Yes. Yeah, there's a, there's a possibility. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's a guarantee. And I think even some parents would watch it and go, well, what the fuck? But I do think there are parents who will understand so deeply the fear that you would fail your child, that while maybe they would say they wouldn't do what she does, they do, they, I would hope, understand why she does. What she, I, I didn't find, as, as much as I find it a bit fantastic that maybe she would so quickly adjust, her daughter was also brought back from, from the dead. So which of these is more fantastic to you? The fact that the daughter is alive exactly. or the fact that she sticks around to see what's going to happen? Of course she's going to stick around. Like, I, I just think it was, I think there is a certain amount. That, uh, yes, this movie deals with a lot of the same themes as the book in a way that probably other Frankenstein movies don't. But I do think it's worth mentioning this theme of family and of personal failure because it motivates this other character so much that it almost becomes more of a central motivator of the movie. Cause there's a certain point at which our mad scientist is like, well, I guess we're done, right? Like, this is it. Like we got to just wrap this shit up and move on with our lives. Like she turns like this character turns into a very non Frankenstein Frankenstein, right? Like Frankenstein would never wrap this shit up. Frankenstein's no. just going to go forever and never give up. And this doctor is just like, we got to at least stop this process and start again. Like this is not going to work. 
we're done here. And the and you know, this mom is like, no, we're never done. We're not done. We're not done until I say we're done. And like it it's to me, it is actually this part that maybe other people felt they were being taken for a ride. I thought it was the best part of the movie. Is this the way this character is so motivated by her passion, but really, if I can be a little corny, the sort of zombie of her passion, right? She she can't rely on the idea of the love of her daughter. Her daughter is gone in reality, right? Yeah. She's she's not really there. But the zombie of that, the ghost, let's say, that maybe will be a little less direct to Frankenstein, the ghost of her love for her daughter is animating her in this direction. And she's so haunted by it that I fucking believed it, dude. Like, I feel like that is the most compelling part. Uh, I will say the other thing that I thought was a little weird is like, I still don't quite understand why the girl kills the pig. Like, I get sort of dramatically it's there, but I don't quite get it. Yeah, that was a little... um. It almost felt like the movie needed blood. Like we need some blood here, and it's it, like it was, ugh. it was, it was the Gage Creed killing Judd moment. It was sure, the, sure, sure, it sure. was the you know she's back, but she's not. And I, I do think that was a little cheap. You know, I, I don't, you know, my own personal lifestyle aside, I'm not the biggest fan of violence against animals in in film because I think it's it's cheap. You know, it's 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 it 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 evokes a visceral response immediately from the audience, and it's a simple way to do that, and. I mean, I guess, sure, you could have used that to show that, like, there's something going wrong up there. But there are fucking plenty of other ways to do that that don't involve a graphic murder of a pig. Who's already been through enough. They already came back from the dead. Like, what, what, like, um, yeah, that, I just, I, that, that, I'm not going to say that took me out of the movie, but I would, that was definitely a moment where I was like, all right, I see what we're doing here. Like, we need a way to show that this is, this 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 the child that we see before us is not the 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 the, the child that started the film and that the child they're not what the mother wants them to be um although i will say the scene with the tv where she's like turning the tv on and off and the little girl's like just kind of like caterwauling that was fucking unsettling as hell yeah i'll agree with that i mean also I think- y- you would know is rescue birds a real cartoon I don't, I have no idea. I've never heard of it. It might okay. be, but I don't, I don't think so. Okay. All I'm going to say is that <clears throat> I think a lot of the movie is very effective. So I don't want people to think this is like a huge criticism, but I did feel like in that moment, like this doesn't really, this doesn't really help this movie. This movie doesn't need this, right? No, it didn't. It was already profoundly upsetting. And we didn't need this this cheap moment where she fucking stabs a pig to death with like an IV pole. That being said, I do think a lot of this was very effective. I, you know, it has really mixed reviews. I guess it doesn't work for everybody. Some folks found it a little like, uh, and I think you, you'll understand this specifically. They found it a little like, um, uh, almost like a, uh, film fest mediocre you know like the kind of movie that's like okay because you're at the fest but you wouldn't necessarily get excited about it later i don't know man i found it pretty effective and even with having some strong criticisms of it none of those took me out of the moment like i still feel like it was done very well and i agree with you the what's the name of the actress who's the scientist uh marin ireland i thought she was great i've seen her in other things and thought she was okay but i thought she was so She's good so in good this. in this 
just really well done. And, and I think it really, maybe, maybe people would prefer the movie be more focused on the questions of science. Like there really is a question of that we are exploring in different places now of does science have a moral limit, right? Like at what yeah. point is what this woman doing, not just gross, but just simply immoral. None of these, the pig can't give their consent. The daughter can't give their consent. The mom gives consent, but the mom is not a trustworthy narrator in this situation. You no, know what I mean? She's out of like, her head with fucking grief. Yeah. 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 So like there's, you know, whatever. And so like, uh, there is a lot there to explore, but the movie works in other themes of grief and parenthood and stuff. And uh, I thought all that was effective while never becoming. It never felt like the movie became just about those things either. There's still a basic, you know, scary gothic tale in a way to be told here about life and death. It's not just like, oh, sad. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just about yeah. the emotions of the situation. It also starts down a path of morality under distress. When, like, we forgot to mention uh, the f- kind of little subplot where uh, they're stealing, what is it, amniotic fluid from a pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. Knowing that even if it's not necessarily causing harm to the baby, um, it's causing an immense amount of emotional distress on the mother because the mother thinks there's something wrong because they keep ha- having her come back for tests. So it's like, <sighs> there's that as well. And then I think another like tragic element of this, another, I mean, we can even call it a source of horror it's the same concept that made Pet Cemetery the the book that st- scared Stephen King so bad. Like Stephen King wasn't upset, wasn't scared by Pet Cemetery. He was a father think putting himself in the character's shoes and being like that is the most horrifying thing I can think of. Knowing that your child, like obviously in Pet Cemetery like Lewis Creed knows what's going to happen if Gage comes back when he buries him, and he still does it cuz he misses his son that much. In this movie this woman is seeing her, what was formerly her child, become a stranger to her. And not only does she not recognize her, but she is not really cognizant at all. Like, she's barely aware of her surroundings, and she can't help herself to keep the experiment going. There's this so horrifying, because not only is it like, like you said, it, it, it's like you're 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 keeping this thing alive. You're keeping this this person, this body alive, without its consent. You're doing it for your own selfish reasons. It's like a person who has a pet, like a dog, and they have cancer. And you know, it's like you just you know, there's no cure. If the dog is uncomfortable, get the dog put down. You're you're only keeping them alive because you don't want to be sad. You don't want to do the. And that's what's in this movie is like this woman is seeing her child. And it's like, yes, she has the unresolved, um, I don't know the word, the, the, uh, I can't think of it at the moment. The, I don't know. There's like a, like an emotional cliffhanger she has, I guess. I can't, I can't believe I can't think of the word. Um, because her last words to her daughter were like harsh. And I guess, I I guess I, I get that she feels like there's, 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 there's unresolved, you know, there's something, she doesn't want that to be the, her last interaction with her daughter. But that drives her to do the unspeakable, which is 
keep a fucking person alive against their will, against the, you know, against the laws of nature for what, you know, it's like, I I, I just, I don't know. Like, I like it's simple. And I guess it's like glaringly obvious, but like the, the, the sort of like twisted sense of maternity and, 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 and motherhood there where it's like, she was so selfishly maintaining this existence for this, for this child, for her own, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, her own, uh, I don't even know what the, like, how to, how to explain it. I mean, I don't want to, it's horrible. I do want to say that it is somewhat relatable. And so I, you know what I mean? Like, at least I, I think part of what makes it so horrible, as you said, is this feeling of like, what would you do again? It's like the, it comes at night thing, right? That we expect parents to make the right decision when it comes to their kids. Instead of saying, perhaps we should not put parents in a place where they have to make a decision between their kid and the right thing. Right. Like I think, ultimately the the correct moral goal is to say i'd like to live in a world where parents never have to choose between yeah we should we should work towards a world where like you know yeah because everything is more equal which sounds fanciful but is actually a, a possibility you know maybe not perfection but certainly more equal than it is that parents don't have to regularly choose between survival and their child or or the survival of someone else and their child you know what i mean yeah and what these movies do is sort of force this idea of like what are we willing to sacrifice and this movie really ends up with this woman who is willing to hurt others and thus has become a monster but people make that choice all the time and quite honestly what the movie might have pushed or maybe it was on their mind and they just it was more of a subtext for you to pick up on is um how often do people like the woman they are, you know, destroying, making decisions in the world that are actually the same decision, but are less obviously the same decision? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how many people eat, to, to borrow from your world, Justin, how many people eat a burger every day, but if you hurt a cow in front of them, they would puke and cry? I mean, you know fucking, what I mean? Yeah, it, it's like the people who were like, they should kill Michael Vick. Well, no, I agree. Why? Why do you think? Because he hurt dogs. That's terrible. Oh, but wait, you're you're not even vegetarian. So where where's your moral high ground here? Like, yeah, like I mean, I'm not saying she should have hurt this poor lady who you feel so fucking bad for in the movie, but I do think there's a there's a sense in which, um, this calculus that this movie is exploring is actually more active, and uh in our world where people really are just like, well, it's, it's us or them, you know, it's me, you know, I gotta, I gotta look out for mine. And there's just something morally wrong about that, that you would do that. But also is it more morally right to not choose your children? Right. You know what I mean? Like there's an actual conflict there. I, I put to you what makes it, um, extra not morally right is she's not even doing this for her daughter. Right. Again, right. I, 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 I am convinced she is not doing this for her daughter. I, I, I'm not a parent, so I can't, so I can't attest to what I would or would do for, for my child. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't know if I'd fucking keep a kid alive. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like, and well, right. And I think this is the thing that like, uh, 
part of what's happening is that it is, as I described, the ghost of her child, right? Yes. It is the memory of, of that loss. This thing is, is the corpse of her child who has been brought back enough to make sounds and to react to light. And basic stimulus, yeah, yeah, but it's not her child, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it is, it is animated in her mind by the memory of her child, right? And she is animated in the world by the memory of her child. It is, it's a very sort of complex thing. I don't, I don't, I can understand if someone feels like the movie doesn't always nail this stuff, like like it's not a perfect movie. But I, I don't know. I found it so compelling, and I really did think about it for a couple of days later about like what's going on there. Even though, again, I do think there was more that could be explored if maybe there was more complicated events that could happen beyond now the kid smushes a pig with a pole that felt there, there were a couple moments like that, that I thought, Oh, they don't know what to do with this concept. Like yeah. they've got a good concept. They've got good actors. They just don't know where to go with it. They don't know what the next step is. And I that that was a little bit disappointing, but it didn't make the movie not good to me. It just I, I think it could have been a little better than it was. I will say that the ending sure. what I what I thought was going to be the ending, which is actually the beginning of the movie, I was just like, "Wow, that that's fucking dark, man. Man, that's fucked up." And then the actual ending came along and I was like, Jesus fucking wept. That that ending I, I don't know if I should say this. It made me want to die. It was that is so profoundly bleak and upsetting that I was just like, ah God, this borderlines on like cruelty to the viewer. And if you're not moved by that, you're a fucking you're a rock. There, there is just like, like that whole like the like the. I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> I just want to say it's fucked up. Like it really, 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 really got under my skin in a way that like I'm not comfortable with. Um, and it's like it's only my my feelings on it have only gotten worse since watching it. Like. It, it fucked me up when I first saw it and I'm thinking about it now and I'm getting upset and um, yeah, I don't, it's just that, that was just like, a, that was one of the darkest endings I've ever seen in a film ever. It, it was just very, very uh, wrong. It was wrong is all I can say. It's wrong. And then and like, they don't have a bowling tournament in critters. <laughs> So people should watch this movie, I think. Well, it, you know, uh, some for those of you, I, I don't know who listened to this that did, hasn't watched the movie yet. So hopefully people have watched it if they listen to this whole thing. If you haven't and you listen to this whole thing and you're wondering if you should watch it, I definitely recommend it. I will say there might be parents who this is too much for them. Yeah. And not even the beginning. Well, I guess the beginning. But you know what I mean? Like, not... It could be too much for a number of factors, not just the main plot point. Yeah, you know, like the uh, the 95 minutes between the beginning and end might be inappropriate for parents. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a uh, birth rebirth. Not a good time. Great movie. I loved it. Yeah. I'll never watch it again. Cruel movie, but but cruel. in a good way. In, in a, a good in, way, yeah. In, in a good way, but yes, very cruel movie. It definitely, it it definitely, it definitely is a prime example of the number one rule 
of, of horror business and cinepunks as a whole. The movies we love rarely love us back. True. So, I guess that's the episode. We love all of you, though. We do. We love all of you. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, be sure to head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks if you haven't already. And, you know, throw a little little jingle jingle our way. Or if, if you want to throw a little crinkle crinkle our way. Yeah. There you go. Crankle, crankle. Crankle. Be sure to head to www.xlvacx.com to check out Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Essexcoffeeroasters.com to check out Essex Coffee Roasters. And I'm, I'm going to fucking message Aaron Dahlbeck. I'll do it. Do it. I'll do it. And then uh, Mechanical Shark Media for all your all your weird... I know someone listening is making their weird little Quay Brothers tribute in their backyard. Don't fucking act like you're not. You can lie to yourself. You can lie to your mother, but you can't lie to me. Maybe that gave away a little too much about my own internal thoughts, but we're sure. Um, yeah, and until next time, uh, fuck Kevin McCarthy. He's a bootlicking, simpering piece of shit. Fair. All right. Peace. Bye. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!